<laughs> well, welcome to another episode of Trade Secrets. My name is Candace Stewart. I'm your host. And today with us, we have Brendan Decora. Hey, Brendan. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. So mine's a little different from some of these pro audio podcasts that you'll hear. <laughs> uh, it's a, hopefully you're going to have fun, but... Uh, I always give credit to James Lipton with the sort of the actor studio approach. I hope I don't get in trouble for that. I'm sure that's trademarked. <laughs> anyway, um, I like, you know, I, one thing I've learned by doing this is people that I've known for a really long time, I learn stuff that I never knew before. Right. So uh, I'll get started with the way that I do it, which is pretty unscripted. But uh, so where were you born? I was born in Miami, Florida, actually. Really? Yeah. I've only lived there. I lived there for a while when I was young. I moved away when I was eight years old. Oh, okay. And then moved to, well, kind of a long story, but I ended up in Colorado All for right. most of the rest of my growing up years. What part of Colorado? Uh, Boulder. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, were your parents together, separated? They were divorced when we left Florida, basically. Okay. So yeah. by the time you were eight, mom and dad were... Separated. Yeah. What did your mom do for a living? She uh, she did a few things, but the main thing that she did was she worked for air, an airline. Oh wow! Uh, doing reservations, so oh, cool. we actually had flight benefits. Dude, how the cool whole is time that? I was growing up, did and you we would go anywhere? All over. Oh yeah, it was <laughs> nice. crazy. The biggest thing with it though is the standby you know, part. The standby part. Yeah. yeah, like we would plan trips and get to our connecting city and then there'd be a storm and cancellations and it's like hey you want to go somewhere else instead because well, and with standby then you're out of pocket for a hotel right it's yeah. not like they, they exactly. go oh exactly say, well that's freaking cool and uh i remember you have a sister i have two sisters oh really yeah. two older sisters i'm oh, the youngest okay. yeah oh i'm the youngest and only girl interesting okay that shapes you i think your place in the family your position yeah. and obviously your gender <laughs> <laughs> but with you know like boys with sisters and girls with brothers it's kind of an interesting right, right. interesting dynamic for sure so you're in boulder mm -hmm. uh you went to high school in boulder yep yeah boulder high all right yeah and what was your what was your first sort of inclination that music would be your destiny or recording would be your life's work i mean i if it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I started as a musician, like most what, of us and do. And what do you play? Uh, drums. Oh, right, was my of first instrument. Yeah. Um, and so I was really interested, obviously, in making music and, you know, Did that you have a band thing. in high school? I had a high school band as the only band I really had was in high school. You know, but, I've known you for a while. I bet you'd be a tough band leader. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> do people disappoint you? <laughs> I, I mean, find people disappoint me. The only, anyway. the only fist fight I ever got into was with my band members. There so. you go. There you go. I know. It's like being married to four people. It's, it's crazy. My brother's always had a band uh, growing up and my older brother was the leader and then my second brother was not. Right. So it was always very, very interesting right, right. to see. But you have to have a leader. I mean, uh, I think, uh, you, and Brendan is an engineer. He's we're at East West right now, obviously, but uh, it was cello before. And Brendan worked here with me when it was cello. So we've done. A, mm -hmm. He's seen a lot of musicians come and go through here. And one of the ones that always strikes my reminds me about the sort of band leader thing is Tom Petty. Yeah, because Tom Petty was the ultimate consummate leader. Okay, and you know it was basically his way or the highway. Right. But he told <laughs> me one day, just in a moment of candor. He said, well, that's why I hire Rick Rubin. And I said, oh, yeah, why? And he goes, because I, I have to have someone that will say no to me. I have to have someone that's not in the band. Right. That will say. It's not afraid. To yeah, say that will no. say no to me or that will be objective with me so that I don't. You know, he says, I try not to run roughshod over everybody. I try to mm -hmm. keep it a collaboration. He said, but there has to be one person making the decisions. And I said, I agree. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, so you're in high school, you're in a band, mm -hmm. you know, they're not listening to you <laughs> or at least no, living up to true. your stand or living that's up to your true. Yeah. Someone yeah. in that band is probably going to listen to this. Probably. And, and, and uh, so, so when, did, so how long did you stay in Boulder? Uh, I was there in between the ages of 10 and 20, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So you came to LA when you were 20? Yeah. Came did you go to recording school? I did. I went to Crass, the conservatory oh, in Arizona. Oh, you know, I had Arizona. forgotten that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, for those of you listening, CRAS is a conservatory of recording arts and sciences located mm-hmm. originally in Tempe, Arizona, with additional rooms. Where's the other room? In uh, in Gilbert. In I actually Gilbert. I right. went there before they even opened the Gilbert location. It was ah. only Tempe then. Well, it's interesting because I've been on uh, the chairman of their advisory board for over 20 years. I just went mm. out for a visit to talk to the students, and I realized it was like the 21st year, and I'm like, oh, my God. Dang. I can't believe I've been going out there that long. <laughs> anyway, what a great school, great curriculum. Also, shout out to Blackbird, my other favorite school. Mm-hmm. Those of you at Kraus and Blackbird listening to this, you're just going to have to get over it because I love you both. <laughs> <laughs> both good schools, both good curriculums, both real pros, you know, behind the curriculum. So you go to Kraus, mm-hmm. you're 20. Yeah. Um, interesting. All right. So living in Arizona, how's that? I mean, fortunately, I was there just only for the time of the, the program. And okay. I think I started in October and left in June. Okay, so you didn't so work there like August. I for missed three or the four worst years. of the weather. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's actually beautiful there, but it is certainly hot. Um, so, Crass, did you come to work at Cello fresh out of Crass? I did not actually. Oh. Where did you go? I started my journey at uh, the Mix Room actually in Burbank. Oh. I had an internship there. I forget so and much. Then I also, ben Gross's place. Yes, Ben Gross's place. Was Karen Pinnaker working there then when you were there? I don't she know. Came out, I don't she think came so. out from Michigan with Ben. I've known Ben Gross a long time. Those mm-hmm. of you listening, if you don't know who Ben Gross is, look it up. Great mixer, great producer, originally from uh, Detroit. Mm-hmm. but um, And he was a total Neve guy. When I work with them at Soundcastle in Silver Lake, and then he became friends with Phil Wagner at SSL, and suddenly he was an SSL guy. Right. Yeah, that was two <laughs> SSLs. Magically had two SSLs. Yeah. But uh, still, great producer, still mixing, still has that room. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this girl, Karen Pinnaker, who came out with him from Detroit, I'm still really good friends with. Um, she's still in the business too and still works in management. She's super cool. Okay. She was like his accounting person okay. for cool. a while. Super, super cool. cool. She's. Uh, Partners with Jeff Sheehan, who owns Megawatt. Nice. Grace nice. Yeah. So you're working at the... So Ben, that so couldn't was, have been easy. Ben's a taskmaster. Yeah. Well, I was interning at the Mix Room and then also interning at Studio Atlantis at both oh, places. And wow, at that John, point... Uh, was it John Newkirk? Yes. John Newkirk. Oh, yes. In those days. Nice guy. And I didn't even have a car at that point. I was an intern oh, with no car, under 21. So I was useless to a lot of places. This is not PG. But, you can cuss on my yeah. podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, how did that work? How, how are you a runner with no car? Well, I was an intern, so I was oh, basically right. just doing all the cleaning and all the, right, you know, right, right. all the You know, Atlantis work. is cool. Atlantis is uh, owned by uh, Universal now. Is it? It has been for a long okay. time. Yeah, I thought that not... Rodney Jerkins bought it. You know, I don't think so. It's As far as I know, it's under their umbrella and okay. bookable under their umbrella, unless okay. he bought it recently. No, I, I heard this a while back. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. No, I think they must have taken it over from him unless he didn't own the real estate probably and they, okay. he was leasing it right, okay. maybe. But uh, a friend of mine used to run that studio. She's no longer with us, Michelle Moore. Yeah, I remember Was her. she Was she I there when you her. were there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. A cool woman. Uh, yeah. An untimely end. She died of cancer. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah, wow. a few years ago, she moved to Hawaii and died of cancer. Okay. Anyway, we'll lighten this up. <laughs> and uh, so you're at so Atlantis and Mixroom at the same time. Yes. And That's then, ambitious. And then uh, Sue Atlantis offered to hire me under the condition that I get a car, obviously, because I couldn't hire a runner without a car. Right. Um, so I did How that. How do you get a car when you're doing a free internship? Well, my mom, <laughs> my mom helped me out. Oh, thanks, you know? mom. Yeah, thanks, mom. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I got the job as a runner at Atlantis. Was and it that there truck? That green it truck? Was, no, it was oh. a, a pickup. Actually, I still had that pickup in, when I worked at Cello. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was I a like Toyota. Truck. Yeah. And so I was working there for a while. And I, I had jumped around to a few different studios before um, coming to meet you at, at Cello. Oh, all right. Um, and his name was different then. He had a different perhaps. name. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> But uh, but his name is Brendan now, so yes, we won't digress. Yes, it has for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> did you get married at some point in between? I did, actually, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, uh, someone was... in audio, too? Was no, she, she oh. was a hairdresser. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Um, I had worked at uh, Cherokee Studios for a little while, oh. and then after that I came to... Uh, oh, I missed one, uh, the Steakhouse Studio as well. I worked for a short time. Oh, wow, yeah, Steakhouse. I wonder if that's still there. It must be. Yeah, no, they're still working, yeah. I even, I I was almost about to book that place recently. Who owns Steakhouse? Um, It is a guy named Lee, and also, uh, I think it's still... Is Kelly still book it? Kelly still books it, and it's the 
guitarist for Toto. Oh, it's Steve Lukather. Steve, Steve Lukather oh, and this right. other guy named Lee. They both own it. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Steakhouse is in the Valley. Mm-hmm. Mixed Room is in Burbank. Atlantis is in Hollywood. Yep. Cello is in Hollywood, where we sit now, called East West. Um, okay, cool. So you get you get the intern, I'm not intern job, you get the runner job mm-hmm. at Atlantis. Yeah. And then what made you leave Atlantis and come to apply to, for a job with me? Um, well, I had been to a few other places in between okay um you know in all honesty i got fired from atlantis okay what tell us Um, about that it was what did you do (laughs) i left the fruit out and i didn't put the fruit away and they came in the next morning and there was fruit flies all over the studio and it was the straw that broke the camel's back the dreaded the dreaded fruit fly they let me go (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know it's funny i i think that i look back over the course of of my career as a manager and i'm sure there are people that think i was harsh probably the people that i fired but uh other other times i think i'm way too nice like i don't know i don't think i'd fire someone over the fruit fruit ball but you know i guess it depends on how bad the fruit flies are (laughs) it was it was it was a straw that broke, broke the camel's back like i was slacking on other things i i had been thrown in the rooms almost right away as an intern and so I got the bug for assisting and being in the studio and then you got immediately. Back. And then I was like, okay, now go clean the toilets. And I'm like, well, screw that. You yeah. Know. Those of you listening to this, <laughs> if you actually aspire to be a recording engineer, suck it up. And if you get the chance to get in the rooms and you do have to go back and clean a toilet, clean the toilet so well. <laughs> you know, don't don't think that not doing your job will get you into the other job <laughs> right. because it will just get you fired <laughs> exactly. from the shittier job. Yes. You know exactly. what I mean? And that's what happened to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So uh, I, I have to be honest. I don't even remember interviewing you at Cello. That was such a, you such a whirlwind. You oh, I didn't. didn't. No. Oh. It was a scenario where it was after I left Cherokee and I didn't have a studio job at all. I was working as a messenger. Oh, and okay. I was, you know, sending my resumes all over town to every studio. I had a method where I would send my resume to every studio once a month. That's actually I very smart. Wasn't hearing back from anyone. I'm like, well, I got to do something. And I get a call one day from the receptionist, or I don't even remember probably who Jen. it was. Probably Jen. Yes. Yeah. Said, "Hey, this is Janet Cello. Can you come into work tomorrow? Like, no interview, nothing. Just can you start and do a shift?" <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah, that sounds like us. <laughs> okay. And I, it, and I had found out later that, you know, you guys were so short-staffed and everyone, there was people on vacation, people calling in sick, that uh, you literally picked up the stack of resumes and called everyone on the list, and I was the first person to pick up the phone. No, oh, yes. I think I kind of remember this story yeah. now. So, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a very busy studio. Mm-hmm. Um, we were... <clears throat> And we still are, thank God. But it was a very busy studio, sort of in the heyday. You know, the home studios existed. They always have. Uh, probably not as much as they do now. But one of the things about cello that was cool, which I what I always loved about cello, A, besides the fact our clients were amazing, was <laughs> the collaboration aspect and that people would book long periods of time and, like, work with each other and play in each other's stuff. Right. And there was, yeah. like, a whole, you know, East West is a village and a communal vibe for sure. But cello sort of really also right. was that as well. Which oh, is so you get thrown in the first day. Were you running? I was a runner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. You were running. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And then, what do you remember about your first couple of months at Six Thousand Sunset? <laughs> I mean, I still remember one day that was very impactful for me. That oh, do it tell. was. It was. I was walking down the hallway, and. As I was walking down the hall, there was Madonna at the end. Yep. Christina, she was sitting on an amp, I think. Yeah. Sitting on a, a road case. Christina Aguilera in here in Studio 3. Oh, okay. Uh, across the way in Studio 1 was Helmet. And at, oh, the, at yeah. the end of the hall was Tom Petty. And I literally walked down the hall and all the lounge doors were open. And all these people were in their lounges. I saw every one of them walking down the hall in one swoop. There you and go. And I was like, what the hell? That's I mean, a good day. Hollywood, like, this is crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. So that was yeah, really no, cool. It's, it's, we, it's so funny, you know, you, you try not to get jaded. But that was a, I mean, still a magical time. You know, it's mm-hmm. interesting. Those were a lot of, I don't want to say, we still work with a lot of known artists, but more and more, and, and even at cello, we would work with artists that I'd never heard of mm-hmm. who are now famous. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's the thing. I think it's kind of hard to hold on to. It's it's so exciting 
when you see artists that you know and you can't you know everybody internally fan fans out a little right um but then you work with people that you never heard of and then three years later they're like massively huge yeah you know Absolutely. it was kind of it was kind of like when i um when i first started and i was working for my brother steve at take one and i was kind of learning how to be an assistant and then i came to the realization that i basically thought I sucked I probably didn't but I thought I sucked <laughs> and then I said hey I want to help you book and he said okay cool and then Mike Clint called and he goes I got this pen and we have to re-record the whole record and I'm like oh, okay he goes and we don't have any money and I'm like oh, okay and he goes they're they're tough you know to work with and they're you know hooligans and I'm like okay whatever <laughs> and, it, and it was Guns N' Roses right. you know what I mean and, appetite. and you know and appetite for destruction so looking back <laughs> again important point for those of you who are listening who are aspiring Everybody must be treated with the same care, even though you get excited by the stars. Yes. Everybody must be treated treated with the same care because the people, everybody has a freshman effort. You know, the Beatles yeah. made a first record. Everybody makes a first record. Absolutely. So try not to get uh, starstruck and not give your full attention right. to those artists just because you don't know who they are. Honestly, that goes for even now assistant engineers too. Oh, yeah. Like, and runners, people underneath you. Like, there's been numerous times where a runner at a studio will then go work at a label as an A&R and then oh, yeah. they're hiring the engineers. Oh yeah. So it's like, if you were a jerk to that guy, Oh yeah. You know, like what, you... what, what is the, what is the old adage? Be nice to people on the way up or, you know, mm -hmm. they'll step on you on your way back down <laughs> or something like that. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's free to be nice, obviously. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, so you got your start at cello as a runner. Mm -hmm. Uh, how long before you started assisting? It was a couple months, six months, maybe. Yeah. It was less than that. Okay. Yeah. I started assisting in here pretty quick and because I had been assisting at all the right, places already. Right, so I was able to toss you in. Yeah. So what? Uh, what what's your favorite room? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> They're all great rooms. Um, I mean, it really depends on what you're doing. True. You know. True. We're in if, Studio Three right now. Yeah. Which is actually my favorite. I always say it's small but mighty. Yeah, it's I mean, favorite. a string quartet sounds incredible in here. I know. You know, you know what's really good in here is horns and drums. Yeah. Recently, we did drums in here, and that guy was like, oh, my God, drums sound so good. I'm like, yep, yeah. we're blessed. Thank yeah. you, Bill Putnam, makes, for making our job easier. Makes the job super easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so you, you started assisting, I mean, while you were running, and then you started assisting some. Well, there's a, there's a famous day at, at cello where... Uh, Oh, my stomach is growling. There was a famous day at Cello where I had to lay off a bunch of people in one day. And I think, did you, were you part of that group? I was part of that, yes. Oh, bummer. But I was the only person that you got another job. Yeah, see, I that, do remember that's, that. that speaks well of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting because did I help you get the job at Glenwood Place? No, you got, else? well, you got me a job at Paramount, actually. Ah. And Paramount is a great studio. Shout out to it's, Michael and Adam. Love them. Absolutely. It's It was a great opportunity for me. That's where I made the full jump to assistant. Oh, got it. And so from there, You I know, you think on. that I would remember, because now they own so many rooms, but their mm -hmm. main location on Santa Monica, what consoles are in there? It's all SSLs. Is it okay? Yeah. There's a J in the big room and then G's in the other room. They own the most studios of anyone in Los Angeles. They I own think anyone in the world, I want to say. Well, they own... No. I mean, there's places with 20 rooms that are production rooms, okay. but they own, I, I think, like own like... eight major facilities okay, right. with, I don't I don't know if it's 12 rooms total or more. I 12 or 15 or something like that. Yeah, maybe like 15. That. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as far as actual, for the most part, studios with control rooms and live rooms. Right. You know, as right. opposed to like production spots. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Good on them. Good for yeah. them. Uh. Very smart. They always own the real estate. Yes. Very smart in California. Good thing to yeah. do. So you worked at Paramount. What are mm -hmm. some of the artists that you work with at Paramount? Um, it was a lot of hip hop stuff. Um, I worked with. I actually met Neil Pogue there. Oh wow! And worked with him for a little bit. Just mm. did a couple small things with him. God, God, my stomach is really not. I haven't heard his name in a while. Yeah, I actually saw him. He was all over, all over at NAMM recently. I saw him oh, doing talks and stuff. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah. So, Paramount, and then did you go to Glenwood Place after that? After that, yes. So Glenwood, Glenwood Place, full mm -hmm. circle, uh, listeners. You've heard me talk about the old Kendon recorders, which is where I started, and my brother Steve. After it was Kendon, my brother leased a room. It was called Take One at six nineteen South Glenwood Place. This is in Burbank. 
And then across the breezeway was 623 South Glenwood Place, which became Red Zone, where I also worked. So I worked in that complex for almost 11 years. I worked there for a long time. And mm-hmm. Rose Mann started there when it was Kendon. Paula oh, started there that. when it was Kendon. Really? We all started when it was Kendon. Wow. As did uh, as my older brother worked at the record plant, but he also worked at Kendon. Hmm. My brother Steve worked at the record plant. Then he was the chief engineer at Rusk on La Brea. Then he worked at Kendon. So there was this, uh, there seems to be like a vortex. And Kendon wow. owned, Kendon, Kent Duncan was a famous engineer, mastering engineer, who's partners with Tom Hidley and Glenn Phoenix. And together they had Sierra Audio and they designed Westlake speakers. And hmm. then Glenn went on to take over Westlake. Uh, okay. But Kendon at one time, I don't know if it ever encapsulated the Westlake rooms. That's something I need to look up. But there was 619, 623. This is all on the street, which is called Glenwood Place. Right. And at the end of the street was is Encore, which is still there. So all mm-hmm. of those studios are still intact. Uh, the, old, the old Kendon, that original section of 619 and 623, which is Glenwood Place, is owned by Atlantic. Uh, the end of the road, I don't know. I think who... it's Mike and Adam, honestly. Oh, yeah, I, you're they right. Own, it is Mike and Adam from Paramount yeah. who owned the old Encore. And then Artisan was in Hollywood on Selma, and that got torn down, and it's a, a restaurant now. Oh, okay. But I'll, if you worked at Kendon, you had to work at every location. Okay. You know? Right. And uh, it's kind of like growing up in my parents' house when yeah. my brothers would move out that I would move into another bedroom. <laughs> so when I worked at 619, like my office was in the echo chamber, which was unnerving. Really? And uh, it, was, it was cool in the summer, but it was really loud when the phone rang. And then my <laughs> oh, office moved around to the back of the courtyard where the old shop used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, Professional Audio was there where I met my friend Doug Miller, was owned by a guy named Bob Hacken. So there was an audio sales company in part of it. We had a room, uh, my brother Steve, take one in 619 and then across the breezeway you had red zone which was completely owned separate entity owned by uh, dennis dagger who i'm still friends with Hmm. and then at the back of 623 we took over that room put an ssl in that room so that was part of take one it was all very modular and sort of you know even though we had a room in their building it was a separate entrance etc etc so that was interesting, but uh, those are good rooms, but they were also that Westlake design with the cork and the lava rock and okay. the sort of the, you know, live end, dead end, that compression ceiling, okay. you know, which I, I, and I think that's all Tom Hidley and Kent Duncan. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Glenn's still alive as far as I know. I think Tom Hidley's still alive and I think he's in Hawaii. Kent is, has passed, but Kent, besides being an incredible engineer, uh, and Kendon was around, the studio that we're in now was built in the 60s. Kendon was built in the early 70s, and Kent was mastering engineer as well, and he was like Zap okay. was mastering engineer. Okay. So he was really, really, really respected. Hmm. You know, remember. his his office, his old office ended up being my office, which was the coolest office I ever had in some ways. It was almost <laughs> subterranean, and it was all lava rock, and it had a waterfall running through it, what? and it had a loft in it. Yeah, I don't even want to know what happened up in that loft. Yeah. So but that not, was not the under old... my tenure. But okay, so Glenwood obviously remodeled a lot of that. They and... do not still have the the, the well, the lava? yes, but I think that's all part of a giant lounge for the A, a room now. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, it's like it was actually back. really big. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, there's a pool table in there. And yeah, the whole it was, thing. it's a yeah. huge space. Uh, it was very. Uh, cool it wasn't hot it was cool looking and it and and temperature wise climate wise it was very comfortable (laughs) um the lava rock their their whole acoustic thing with you know any all acoustic design involving reflective and Mm -hmm. absorptive 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 is that a word absorptive absorbing surfaces (laughs) yeah (laughs) um you know is true here in the room that we sit in as well but their thing with the cork and the lava rock and the glass the floors were wood in all those rooms and the floors were wood in every studio i ever managed till i came to six thousand i'd never worked in a studio that had a tile floor right you know and now having been here as long as i've been here i just think tiles better yeah that's part of the magic i think so and it's probably the asbestos underneath it (laughs) probably something (laughs) you know i don't know what that is like there's like foam backing you know i don't know what that is so I, I digress. So we've, uh, we've, we've, I always do that. So we've, we've come full circle and now you're working and at, you know, you left cello and you went to Glenwood Place. What kind of, who did you work with at Glenwood Place? 
Um, I was there for a while. I worked yeah. with a bunch of people. Um, I actually worked on some Britney Spears stuff. Oh, okay. Alicia Keys. Oh, nice. Uh, Kanye for a short minute. Oh, got it. A lot of like jazz and film scores were done there for a long time. Right. Um, all across the so map. So R and B. I mean, hip hop is the pop of now, but we also do. It, to me, a lot of what we do is soul and R and B. Like right. I don't even. They call it hip hop, but when I listen to it, it's really just soul music. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Uh, which was awesome, which is great. So then, so then cello closes in 05. Mm-hmm. I go to Sage and Sound for a hot minute. Then I go to Firehouse. You were working at Glenwood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I come back to East West in 2010. When did you come here? 2011. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was right after. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And it was a similar scenario where. I never asked for the job. I didn't get an interview. <laughs> Did I just call you up and say I need no, help? No. What happened was <clears throat> I went to the NAMM show and I wore an old cello t-shirt. Oh, nice. And I heard like from behind me you calling out, hey, cello shirt, cello. Like you didn't even see who it was. You just saw the shirt. <laughs> I turned around and like, hey, you should come check out the studio. Call me next week. You know, I do not have a cello shirt. Really? <laughs> which is sort of a, I have a cello, I have those the jacket, the fleecy, the lance okay. and it was right. a jacket that I got. But yeah, I don't have any of those t-shirts. And my most beloved t-shirt, besides the navy blue right. classic cello t-shirt, was the one that we did that had the logo with the lady on it. Do you oh, remember yeah, that? Oh, yeah, the old one. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I think I probably told you. So besides being a great engineer, Brendan's also an incredible photographer and very artistic. And if you look at the East West website, the photos that you will see are courtesy of Brendan. And mm-hmm. he's really, I like <laughs> photography as well. But um, he's a wonderful photographer. My brother David is a great photographer. Yay to photographers. Um, but the shirt, the, the whole design came about because I was designing an ad with my husband, Brian. And we were designing mm-hmm. an ad for cello. And I had seen the Chilean flag Okay, okay, this is a whole crazy story. <laughs> and there is a woman, There, there's a picture of a woman, like a 1920s stylized woman in a grass skirt. Mm-hmm. And she's actually topless, but it's a very tasteful sort of Art Nouveau mm-hmm. drawing. And so there's a woman, and then there's this Chilean flag, which was part of the Zenith logo. It was okay. all part of the Zenith logo. Huh. So what we did was we sort of bastardized that and... Uh, I forget what she's holding in the original image. I think she's holding a tube in the original image for okay. Zenith Television, but you know, like an analog tube. But we put a reel of tape in her hand. Okay. So she's she's there's this background of this flag, which by the way we have nothing to do with Chile. <laughs> and there's this flag, and there's this woman, and she's holding a reel of tape, and then the letters for cello were in sort of a neon. Thing. Okay. And nice. somewhere there are T-shirts with that because that was right. an ad, and behind it also is this NASA photo. This is a lot going on in this ad. <laughs> behind that, but and the, God bless my husband Brian Stewart. He designed this ad. It was amazing. And behind it, there was like a NASA photo of, like a Hubble photo of stars. Right. So it was sort of this concept of you know this reel of tape and this whole image. But anyway, huh. and it said. Uh, was it bringing the past into the future? Oh, yeah, that's that right. That was the tagline. Yeah, yeah. But that was our ad. I had to, you know, running a studio, you have to think of these, like, clever marketing right. taglines. <laughs> uh, What's take, the tagline for East West? You know, uh, <laughs> we're, um, God, someone told me it. I can't believe I don't remember it. Someone was talking about it the other day. We don't do a lot of ads. I think it was uh, Making History. Something oh like that. yeah, something like God that. God Almighty, I can't believe I don't know that. I, I, need, I have, think I have the man seen in the control somewhere. room might have to feed me the line. I cannot remember the tagline. <laughs> we don't have. I can't hear him. He's going to tell us what that is. My incredible assistant and engineer, yeah. partner in crime, Keith Munson. Um, but yeah, I think it's. Well, I mean, our mission statement was work hard, play harder. I think mm-hmm. that was the sort of the thing. <laughs> but take one. I remember it was. Uh, Find out what they already know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Find out what these people already know. And then right. we had like the list of the clients. But huh. uh, Nice. Yeah. Anyway, so marketing is important. Just yes. remember that. Good photographers <laughs> and good ads and marketing are important. Yeah. So um, so you were working here at, at Cello. Mm-hmm. 
and then you left and you went to Glenwood yep. and then you came back in 2011 to East West. Mm -hmm. What was the first, do you remember the first session you did and when you came back in 2011? I do. It was a string date. It was a scoring date with, uh, with Damon. Oh, Tedesco. We Damon love him. Tedesco. And what's crazy is I have to get him on this, by the way. He, uh, the very first session I did with, with him, uh, was, the, the the very first session as East West was with him, and the very last session I did with him as well. Oh, so he kind of bookended my tenure here. It was interesting. interesting. Yeah, because Brendan's a freelance independent first engineer now, and he's available for hire, those of you. He's well <laughs> worth the money. So listening to this, if you need a great engineer, you should hire Brendan. And I'll put that information at the end of the podcast. But anyway, awesome. um, <laughs> But now you come back here as a client, and I'm grateful to you for mm -hmm. that. I uh, I have a, a joke that I just basically am like hiring people to end up being my clients. Right. You know, now that I look back <laughs> over the history of what I've done, you know, like Ryan Hewitt or you, yeah. Chris Codd, I'm so lucky, you know, that the people that are the alum of both Cello and East West come back and book time. So thank you for that. Of course. Uh, so Damon Tedesco. So Damon Tedesco, those of you who don't know, his dad was Tommy Tedesco. And if mm -hmm. you ever, his brother is Denny Tedesco. And if you ever saw the movie, The Wrecking Cure, read the book, that is about the session musicians that played at Gold Star Studios, what was, what this was at that time, which is Western Recorders. Um, United Studios next door, all of the early 60s, I'd say from 19, I mean, they're still around. A lot of these players are still around and people mm -hmm. don't realize that. A lot of times it surprises me and I'll get inquiries by email. People don't realize that we're for hire. Like you as an engineer are for hire. Mm -hmm. Session players are for hire. They right. just imagine that it's unattainable or out of reach. So right. those of you listening to this, if you're an aspiring musician and you're trying to figure out like how does it all work, you really just call. Right. You know, you call and if you need an engineer, I'll find an engineer for you. If, uh, obviously, you can book a studio. Um, and we're not as crazy expensive as you might think. Mm -hmm. We're very, you know, competitive. And then also the same is true of musicians. If you're a solo artist and you need a drummer, or you need a guitar right. player, we are here to make it work, make it easier for you. So right. uh, unlike a lot of businesses who don't try to help you, we are not that business. We are the business <laughs> that tries to help you get your, you know, accomplish your dreams or realize your dreams. So do you still, uh, are you still playing or writing at all? Music? Um, a little bit. I, I, I'm not really playing so much drums anymore, but I do have a project uh, called Marvelous She, Marvelous XE, mm. that I have, um, where I'm doing a lot of like production. It's it's with uh, uh, two other friends of mine. Are you producing so, it mainly? Producing and engineering and mixing, obviously. Are you writing any of the lyrics or any of the music? The music, yes, but the lyrics is for the the for same, them. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. How many? How many? Uh, what type of music is? <laughs> that's the million dollar question. <laughs> I've I've been as an engineer, I've been focusing on mixing rock music for okay. the most part. Okay, that's true. Um, but this project is kind of it's kind of a mix between like R and B and like kind of cinematic avant garde Ooh. art pop sort of like we we're actually still yeah, trying very to curious. still trying to figure out what genre it is. Well, and I don't mean and and not to typecast. I think the only reason that genres exist is just to sort of give people an idea of of, right. of what it is. I mean, I love. I know we both like all kinds of music. I don't, you know, I don't listen to a lot of polka, but I respect it. You <laughs> right. know, I respect. Right. Uh, I don't listen to a lot of country, also, but I respect it. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm, you know, we're all a product, I think, somewhat of the generation we came up in. So you were in high school. How old are you? I'm 42. So oh, I'm, you're I'm a little baby. In the, in the 90s, in the grun oh, right. grunge era. That's oh, why right. I love, I love right. working on rock music. I always like to, to kid Keith, you know, like when he was a little kid, it was a sort of the pretty in pink, you know, right. Molly Ringwald <laughs> <laughs> television, <laughs> you know, movies, uh, Less Than Zero, the James Spader heyday right. or whatever it was. But for me, it was, you know, the late 60s, early 70s. And I think you had older sisters. Did yes. they turn you on to music? Oh, yeah. I was a yeah. big fan of Zeppelin and all yeah. that because of my sisters. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I uh, All those records like Zeppelin, The Who... Obviously, the Beatles, the Stones. Mm -hmm. When everyone will say, says, like, you know, Beatles or Stones, I'm like, both. Right. <laughs> you know? And by the way, the question of what record would you have on a desert island is retarded because how could you play a record on a desert island? <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, what are you hooking up the turntable to? Right. Do you have like, you know, a monkey running with a band belt, you know, or coconut? I mean, what's happening there? Right. I, 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 the whole thing is ludicrous. But I guess uh, the concept is just what is your favorite? So, and to pick a favorite record would be so hard. Yeah. I, people, oh my God. people ask me that and I'm like, I can give you maybe top 10, but I can never choose yeah. one. Yeah. To, you know? And top 10 is changing all the time. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, growing up loving, you know, that sort of, it's called acid rock now, which whatever, I guess huh. it is. I, because right. I, I, we all did acid, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, it's just pretty straight ahead blues rock. Yeah. You know, yeah. especially Zeppelin. And right. Stones, yeah, actually. For sure. Uh, Beatles, more unique, more sort of the original, just all good stuff. Mm -hmm. Mixtures yeah. of everything. Yeah. You know, mixtures of classical, mixtures of pop, mixtures of blues. Early Beatles, obviously, yeah, very yeah. bluesy. Of course. Um, I have a deep appreciation for the blues now. I never really listened to a lot of blues hmm. when I was younger. Now I listen to that uh, Nothing But The Blues. Right. Yeah, which is a great uh, 88.1. Everybody plug for 88.1. <laughs> uh, I just, it's a great station at K Jazz. It's, um, I listen to a lot of Latin jazz. Nice. Like, I, I look back now, like, my parents were listening to, like, the soundtrack from Cleopatra and shit. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, but I do remember. Do you remember the stereo that your mom had when you were little? Or was it like a, yeah. a was it like a, did she have like a console in the living yeah, room? Yeah, yeah. I actually have it still. Do you? Yeah. So, so yeah, my parents had the one where like the speakers folded out and then oh, the turntable yeah, yeah. like flopped nice. down. It was like a wood, it was like wood on the outside. Right, right. But nice. uh, it was the entertainment center. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that turntable probably ruined more records than ever. But uh, I, I totally remember listening to, um, early Beatles like like Meet the Beatles mm -hmm. and my nice. mom making me twist in front of her friends Mortif <laughs> mortifying oh, you know by the way why do parents do that make you dance in front of their friends it seems like abuse to me right. anyway here get up and dance be a little clown <laughs> anyway uh anyway but so an early love of music and I come from a family where everyone all three of my brothers play instruments my brother nearest me David is a photographer and a painter my mom was a painter and an artist she didn't play an instrument but she was a painter and then my dad was an electrical engineer so he built all the amps for my brothers my brothers hmm. had a band when I was little and they toured all around the, I'm from South Carolina I'm from Charleston and they toured all around the southeast and stuff so I was always around guitars and I don't play anything my <laughs> right. older brother played violin that was his first instrument before he played guitar um my brother steve plays bass they both sing my brother david can play piano nice um yeah i think my mom played piano too we always had a piano growing up right and i could play piano a little bit but that was sort of like their thing mm -hmm. you know and my mom was like well, well do you want to do this i'm like no and i was like a little tomboy so i played soccer <laughs> I played nice. soccer and was a hardcore swimmer. Nice. That was my thing. But wait, what about you? Besides, so when you were in, like, see, I keep going back to childhood because yeah. I think it's important. Yeah. So when, uh, when you were a little kid, before you left Florida, were you like a shy kid? Were you a bookish kid? Were you? I mean, normal kid. <laughs> I guess I've always been a little bit shy. Yeah, yeah you're kind of shy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Was there anything that you were interested in? Were you a good student? Yeah. Yeah, you're smart. Yeah. You're a smart guy. I was, I mean, I was the best student in recording school because that's something I was actually interested in. Yeah, well, there know? is that. So. <laughs> there is that. I mean, I changed my major four times in college, oh, wow. and I look back, and I never, I went to college for seven years, and I never actually graduated. <laughs> oh, but I got I got the closest to having a bachelor's in psychology with a min, minor in business, okay. which turned out to be perfect yeah, for what perfect. I do, right? It's perfect <laughs> nice. for what I do. Nice. Uh, I thought about going back for a while, but I think I'd have to take so many other classes oh, to catch up now. Yeah. doesn't matter so it doesn't matter right. but uh yeah you know you have to be smart to be a recording engineer let's make, we'll lay that down okay <laughs> if you can't focus long enough when you go to recording school right. to make it to the very basics of electronic theory and signal flow mm. just don't just give up go somewhere else <laughs> do something else and save us all right you know do us all a favor by not flooding the, <laughs> by not flooding the workplace right. with people that are mediocre <laughs> Well, and, and also people do it for the wrong reasons. It's like so many people go to recording school and they want to be an artist. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, that's great. Now you can record yourself, but don't try and be an engineer when you really yes, want to you do know, something as, else. As you, you know, know, I'm a huge champion of engineers. I mentioned yeah. it almost every episode. 
And I just want to say, I don't think people really ever give engineers the credit they deserve. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you look on the, I mean, now everything's downloaded, but if you look in the credits of all your favorite music, sometimes you'll see a pattern. You'll see that you yeah. like records that buy a certain mixer. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you like artists that you love, but you'll start to see a pattern. And the people behind the scenes for music, there are so many that mm-hmm. make the contribution. The assistant engineers included, that's a very hard job. Yeah. But engineering in general, I think that they are the unsung heroes of everything we've been listening to for the past 60 years right. or longer. You know, And without an engineer, people every day still, if you're listening to this and you book studio time and you don't understand why you need an engineer, I'm gonna tell you why. Because <laughs> right. you wouldn't get on a plane without a pilot. Right. You wouldn't get on a train Without an engineer, okay? This is the person who drives the technology, drives the machinery, uses the tools to shape your musical vision. Mm -hmm. And it's a delicate partnership with the artist, the engineer, the engineer and the producer. There's a lot of engineers who are musicians, uh, or there's a lot of a uh, lot of producers who were never musicians. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of producers that were engineers. There's a lot of producers that were never engineers. But there's always an engineer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I think that it's unique because artists are you know sensitive creatures and yeah. creative people are sensitive creatures and engineers are very 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 creative. Right. But have to have this mix of art and science. Yeah. Which is so actually quite complicated i will say <laughs> not not insurmountable but right. complicated to be able to use you know it's like a sculptor or a carpenter or mm-hmm. whatever an artisan of any kind who has to utilize specific tools to achieve right. a goal right. and you know engineers uh again do not discount the importance of a good engineer <laughs> Uh, you know, if you, yeah, don't ever right, do that. Right. It'll be your downfall as an artist. <laughs> so are you happy with your chosen path? Are you, are you absolutely. content? No, it's been you great. You making a living? Yeah, absolutely. I've been doing mostly mixing now, honestly. Probably, probably 80% of my work is mixing. Yeah. And it's been really fun. Kind of back to what you were saying earlier about people go to school for the wrong reasons and they're an artist. Um, I think, and you said it, I think we'd all agree, like, it's great to learn how to record yourself. And I think mm-hmm. it's probably pretty important. Yeah. Again, talking about the importance of engineers, if you understand even just a little bit of the recording process and signal flow and the equipment, you have a greater respect for the engineer and his command of that equipment right. and how he can help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think artist empowerment, people ask me this, like, how do I feel about home studios and this, that, and the other? I think artist empowerment's a good thing. Yeah. I think anything that helps a song to be heard. You know right. what I mean? Obviously, it starts with a song. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts with a, a great lyrics. It starts with a good melody yeah. um, that is only enhanced by good musicianship, well-rehearsed right. musicianship, uh, a good acoustic space, a good engineer. You can make a great vocal in a bathroom. I mean, yeah. I think I think the important thing about a good song is does it touch you? Right. You know, does it elicit an emotion? You know, think about music and how music is almost like smell. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you remember <laughs> the first time you heard a song and where you were when you heard that song. Yeah. And, you know, if it was, you know, if what you were going through at the time in your life when you hear a song, yeah. you know what I mean? And it brings back that memory years later right. when you hear it it's kind of like you know like i said like a smell like you know like a cake yeah you know <laughs> or something like that exactly um so i think that you know we need to realize how important to our mental health and our emotional health music really is and and how great a contribution it is to the world man i mean mm-hmm. without sounding like a big old hippie i mean what would it be what would the world be without music they would right. suck yeah you know and i think there are i was reading that there's only supposedly there is no culture, you know, in history hmm. that has ever existed without music. I think there's one. Right. And I'm gonna look that up later. And they were depressed. God bless the internet. <laughs> yeah. And they don't exist anymore. <laughs> and they're all gone now. Um, so yeah, Viva Music, Viva Engineers. Viva Artist Empowerment and people being able to make a good song. So when we were talking about Artist Empowerment and you being able to record in your house, we didn't say, 
that it was all good either okay because <laughs> there is a lot of crap getting out out there and there is a lot of stuff that has been released into the airwaves that is an assault on my senses. <laughs> so those of you who think it's okay to make bad audio, you know what? Karma is a bitch, and it is going to come back around for you. Because if you were making bad music, I don't know. Somebody needs to let you know. And, you know. and I know music is subjective. I'm not talking about lyrical content. I'm talking about it doesn't sound good. Right. I can't hear the guitar. I can't hear the vocal. Yeah. You know, I can't hear it. It sounds like an inside a box. Right. You know what I mean? Don't do that. <laughs> okay. Those of you in the audio profession, your job is to make good audio. Right. And those of you who are musicians, find somebody to help you make your audio better. <laughs> Don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's just... How tragic is it when you hear something and you think, oh, that's a pretty good song, but the quality of the audio is just right. awful. Right. You no, know, it's some, crazy. Or people like, send you a demo and you're like, oh, this is god awful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the vocals are out of tune. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, how do you, so as a freelance engineer, you know, if someone sort of cold calls you or mm -hmm. sends you or emails you something, what do you do if it's bad? <laughs> I mean, if you see the potential in it, that's different. Well, because they're paying you to do a job. That's tricky because there's people that, you know, send me stuff that's not great and they know it's not great and they want me to help God them bless those people. to make it great. And then there's people that send me stuff that's not great and they don't know it's not great and they love it and they only want me to do a little bit. And it's like, well... Dude, that is so difficult, right? It's really hard because yeah. it's like, how do I... How do I you tell know? you your stuff sucks? Right. <laughs> <laughs> how do I tell you to start over, hire professional players? Yeah. And usually, like, I'm getting called for the mix, so it's long past that point. I, I can't right. do so, that, you know? So, by the way, all of you out there that might be engineers, someone, if you're a tracking engineer, and by the way, we all love tracking. We think tracking is mm -hmm. important because without tracking, you don't get the music recorded. Right. So it's super important. So those of you who go like, oh, I just want to be a mixer. Well, you know what? If you never tracked a record, you're probably not going to be a good mixer. That's my humble opinion. Right. If you don't understand <laughs> the process and what it takes to actually get it to that point and chances are if you're a good mixer you're also a great tracking engineer and mm -hmm. you're sort of mixing while you track yeah with the mix in mind exactly you know i think that makes the most sense to me yeah you know what i mean and i know how frustrating it must be for mixers my favorites you know spike stent tom elmhurst shout out and that's a toss-up between the two of you. you can fight over who i like more tom <laughs> tom anyway sorry spike anyway uh but I'm sure, like you said, you get sent stuff and you're thinking to yourself, like, what was this guy thinking yeah. when he recorded this? And I can't hear this whole section. Right. You know, well, and or this whole instrument. And the hardest part is when, you know, it's like they're, they really love what they did. And it's very difficult to, you know, make it better. Because if you make it a lot better, they won't like it anymore. Yeah. It's like I've gotten clients where, like, they love me because you change I, it completely. Because I because I don't change it completely. I listen right. to what they want. You know, I only go with with small changes because that's what they're going for. The biggest right. the biggest obstacle as a mixer is just figuring out what the client wants. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because because some clients want it to be completely different, and others love what they've done and just want a, a little bit of polish and a little better. You know. So. And we all need to make a living, and I think. Uh, I mean, I know you, you have integrity, and everybody I know does, but we all need to make a living. So, I mean, there's no harm in taking something that's mediocre as long as you're trying to make it better, you mm -hmm. know, if you're striving to make it better. Um, I bet there are times, you know, when someone can't afford to turn something down because they need to eat, you know, you need to make <laughs> money, so it comes into play. But I think... I know you. You would be honest. You would give honest feedback. Yeah. You know? And I usually do. You know? And if people don't want to hear it, that's kind of their problem. Right. At the end of the day, <laughs> it's like, well, if this is what you like, then cool. Here, you know, this is what you like. Yeah. I mean, my husband's a musician and he self produces. And I think that's a bit of a a dangerous rabbit hole to yeah. self produce your own stuff. It is. You, you sort of end up remixing the song over and over and mm -hmm. over. Back to so back to the original thing that we were saying earlier about the Tom Petty thing. Like somebody just needs to go. Okay, that's it. Right. We're done with that song, and we're going to leave it alone. <laughs> right, right. 
And a lot of artists need that, honestly. There's so many artists now that don't hire producers, that do everything themselves, and then send it to a mixer and expect, you know, the world out of it. It's like, well... See, you, I like Tame Impala. Does he, does he do his own stuff? I'm honestly not sure. That's an interesting question. Yeah. But, but I know he's sort of a... Of one, you yeah. Know, one I mean, thing. obviously, there's some artists that are very good at it oh, and they yeah. do a great job. Oh yeah. But the more inexperienced people, like you know, they need someone, like you said, to tell them no. yes or no, yeah. and you know, help them guide I mean, them along so the journey. It's so psychological. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, hey, no, and and the sort of the gentle coercion, sort of like you know, mm-hmm. why don't why don't you let me try this and see if you like it? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just 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 let me try. And see if you like it. Right. And hopefully the artist is open-minded enough to listen, you know, because that is why they pay us. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. But, but definitely people pay us and don't want to hear right. what we had to say. Yeah. I mean, that is the exception, I have to say. Like, that doesn't yeah. happen. Fortunately, that doesn't, doesn't happen very often, so. Yeah, I, I think that they're insecure enough that they want another opinion. Right. Either to support exactly. their original concept. Yeah. Or to, you know, it's kind of like men with or women with men. Like, we like to let you think it was your idea. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I think it's true when you're dealing with an artist. Like, you, you tell them what you think, and then they just think it was their idea. Right. You know, that's that's the grace of yeah, it. You know, exactly. that's the finessing of it. Yeah. Well, it was so great talking to you today. And awesome, it's so man. great having you in here working. I am happy to always hire you. It's I always I have a sigh of relief. I have to tell you honestly when I hire you to do a session. Thank you. Because I know you're I know you've got it. And it, for me as a manager, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like to hire someone you know as an outside first to come in because then I don't have to think about it anymore. Right. I'm like oh Brennan's doing it, <laughs> and it's all good. Yeah. You know what I mean. Awesome. So that's I Appreciate I mean it. that from my heart for sure. But uh, yeah. You know, for more episodes of Trade Secrets, <laughs> no idea when we're going to broadcast this thing, but it'll come out. But it was great to talk to you today, and I never knew you lived in Florida. Yeah, appreciate so it. So there you go. Have you ever thought about going back? Uh, no, my dad still lives there. Oh, but, all right. You know, do you so have, I, or do you have a relationship him. with your dad? Yeah. Good. So I visit him every once in a while, but I wouldn't go back to, to move, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's definitely a music scene there, was, yeah. was the reason I bring it up. That's true. Um, there's more and more... Because of this artist empowerment and because of home studios in a good way, mm-hmm. there's music scene in many, many places that there wasn't before. Mm-hmm. But we're going to wrap this up because I think the session is loading in. But thank you so, so much for talking thank today. Thanks so awesome. much for listening to this episode of Trade Secrets. Trade Secrets. Trade Secrets there. We now know a lot more about Brendan than we knew before. Thank, thank you so much.